Now, what I'm about to say, I obviously don't know uh, by firsthand experience, but I know fairly well from secondhand experience, and that's this. When a woman is, cr- uh, is, is pregnant, a lot of crazy things can begin to happen. You know, just the slightest smell can create extreme nausea, right? And then in that first trimester, there's a lot of tiredness. Um, second trimester comes along, and usually things are a bit smoother. Again, not firsthand, only secondhand. Um, but by the third trimester, things are just challenging. You know, swelling and clothing becomes an issue, and trying to find a comfortable position to sleep. All of those things are, are pretty crazy. And then there's the process of delivery. Well, that is a whole other topic, right? Through all the craziness that pregnancy is for a woman, they're willing to endure it. And many women will not only endure pregnancy one time, but they'll have a second baby or a third or or more. Why on earth are they able to endure the craziness of that? Why? Because they envision holding that newborn baby in their arms. And that newborn baby makes all the craziness worth it, makes all of the heartache and the, the, the challenge worth it. Well, you know, living for Jesus and walking with him and serving him at times, it can be a little bit crazy too. In fact, it can, it can have its shares of ups and downs. When we want to walk faithfully with Jesus and we want to live for him faithfully, we often find that, that there's a lot of heartache along the way. There's a lot of things that are discouraging and frustrating. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself saying, you know what, what's the point of all of this? I've, I've tried to walk with him faithfully. I've tried to serve him faithfully. And yet, here I am with this heartache and this difficulty and this happening. How do we maintain joy in the midst of walking with the Lord and serving Him? How do we maintain joy? Well, it's that question that that we're going to entertain together and think through together. We understand how a mom uh, or a woman who's pregnant keeps going. She thinks about that newborn. But how do we as believers serve the Lord through the difficulty and keep going? Well, in Philippians chapter 1, we'll look uh, beginning in verse 12. We're going to see how God enables us to keep going and to keep serving him with joy. We are continuing our series through Philippians. Our series is called The Pursuit of Joy because this is a dominant theme of the book of Philippians. You'll remember that Paul was in prison when he, when he wrote this book. He was in prison. Uh, he was in prison for his faith. Let's look together at Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers... And sisters, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This text teaches 
that you can serve with joy by keeping your mind on the mission. You can serve with joy by keeping your mind on the mission. Look in verse 12. Paul says, what's happened to me? The fact that I've been put in jail? Why was Paul put in jail? He was put in jail because he had been faithfully preaching the gospel, because he had been serving God, and he found himself imprisoned. And Paul says, you know what? has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. The gospel is, has gone forward and moved forward because of what has happened to me. Now, I want you to think and notice something. Paul isn't sitting in prison focused on himself. And he could have been. Probably, if he were like most of us, he, he definitely would have been. He, he's not sitting in prison going, oh, look at what God did to me. Look at how unfair this is. Why am I in prison? Why doesn't he let me out? I've been praying that I would get out, but I'm still in here. Why isn't, why isn't he faithful? Look at what I get for serving him. Paul's not focused on himself. This is critical, folks. What's Paul focused on? He's focused on the advance of the gospel. He's focused on the mission. He says, you know what? The fact that I'm in prison, it hasn't slowed the gospel down one bit. Guess what? The imperial guard... They know why I'm here. They know about Jesus. Because of my being in prison now, the imperial guard, those men know about the Lord. Well, who were the imperial guard? These were the elite Roman soldiers. These were the people who had charge over protecting Caesar and his family, as well as preventing uprisings. They had great influence and great power in, in the Roman government. And Paul says, guess what? They all know why I'm here. I've told them about Jesus. And not only the imperial guard, he says... Oh, Everyone else knows. In other words, other prisoners know. Other uh, employees of the government know. Everyone knows why I'm here. So Paul says, you know what? I've been in prison, but it hasn't prevented the gospel from, from spreading. One commentator said it like this. Though the messenger be bound, the message cannot be bound. Though the messenger be bound, the message cannot be bound. That's what Paul's saying here. The message is not slowing down one bit because I'm in prison. In fact, the message is going forward. It's going forward. You know, if you play some sort of athletics, uh, let's say football, if you get out there and you put your heart in the game, you work hard, you give your all, then there's going to be a certain satisfaction and joy that comes from playing. But if you say, you know what, I'm going to play football, but you're not putting your heart into it, you're just kind of lackadaisical about it, you're going to play the game, and it's not going to be nearly as engaging for you. It's not going to be nearly as satisfying to you as if you put your blood, sweat, and tears in the game. And similarly, when it comes to the gospel... If we just sort of toy around with the gospel and we just sort of toy around with walking with Jesus and, and serving him and following him, there's not a lot of satisfaction in that. There's not a lot of joy in that when it's just sort of a game or it's a hobby or it's something that we do every now and then when we can work it in. But instead, when it grips us, when, when, when the spread of the gospel matters to us, like we're in the game and we're pouring our blood, our sweat and our tears in the furtherance of the gospel, there's a joy and a satisfaction that comes. And that's what we see in the Apostle Paul. He could be in prison. He could be in prison and yet filled with resolve and joy. So let's think about this in, in our lives. Don't let difficult circumstances cause you to turn inward or lose heart. Don't let difficult circumstances of life cause you to turn inward or lose heart. 
You know, sometimes when we face adversity, what it causes us to do, folks, is it causes us just to begin to look at ourselves and think about ourselves. And I wanted this and I hoped for that and this didn't happen and then that happened. And all I can do, my whole world becomes wrapped up in me. And friends, that's not what God designed your life to be. God designed your life to be about Him. God designed your life to reflect Him to the people around you. So, so when, you, when you experience adversity, and, and this is a reality, adversity, if we're not careful, brings our attention upon ourselves. But that is a recipe for misery. Friends, it's a recipe for misery. God wants your focus to be on spreading the gospel. And that's what we see in the Apostle Paul. So don't let difficult circumstances to to cause you to lose heart. Don't let the difficulty that you're facing define your life. But instead, let devotion to Jesus and his mission drive you. Let devotion to him push you forward. And don't let fear keep you quiet. Don't, Don't let fear keep you quiet. Instead, share the gospel with courage. Now imagine Paul. Paul is being guarded by the imperial guard. He's being guarded, in a sense, by the secret service. He's being guarded by the people who protect Caesar himself, the the elite. And you know what he doesn't? He doesn't cower down and say, oh, I better be quiet. I could lose my life. These guys could, could take my head off. Instead, what does Paul do? He shares the gospel courageously. What, what a powerful example for us. What else does this mean in our lives? It means that we must trust God has uh, you where you're at for a purpose. Trust that God has you where you're at for a purpose. If you belong to him, you're not where you're at haphazardly. He's sovereign. He's he's the ruler. We may not understand our circumstances, but if you know him, trust that he's at work in your circumstances. He was at work in Paul's circumstances. He will be at work in your circumstances. You see, the sovereignty of God means that God has a reason. He has a reason for our adversity and for our difficulty. So instead of becoming dark and bitter, sow gospel seeds of hope in the lives of other people. Get your focus on what you're here for. Get your focus on why you've been created. So we've seen you can serve with joy by boldly declaring the gospel. Second, serve with joy by being an example to fellow believers. Serve with joy by being an example to fellow believers. Look in verse 14. Paul says in verse 14, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord. So what's he saying? Most of the people in the church, they're even more bold because of the fact that I'm in prison. In other words, my situation has strengthened most of the people in the church. There's some, a handful that that haven't been affected by this, but but most have. Most have have been challenged by, by Paul's example. And he says, you know what? These people... They're sharing the gospel. And they're doing so fearlessly. They're not scared. They're not, they're not you know, kind of tiptoeing around saying, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be misunderstood. No, they are boldly, fearlessly sharing the gospel. That's what Paul is saying. He continues on in verse 15. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy 
Now, isn't this just the reality of life? Anytime there's something good going on, there's also something challenging going on. So, so Paul says there are some people who are preaching the gospel, and they're doing it with the wrong motive. And we'll, we'll see in a moment, they, they really want to hurt Paul. Their goal is to stir up trouble for Paul. But he says, some are preaching him with a bad motive, but he says some are preaching him out of goodwill. They're preaching him, as we see in verse 16, out of love. In other words, there's a whole lot of people that are in the church who are passionately sharing the gospel with others out of a love for people and a love for God. And Paul's rejoicing in this. He's thrilled about this. And he says, these people who are preaching him out of love understand that I was appointed for the defense of the gospel. What's Paul saying? He said, the people who are preaching the gospel out of love recognize that God had put him in this situation for the defense of the gospel. In other words, that God had allowed Paul to be in prison. And God had a reason for it. What was his reason? That Paul would be able to share the gospel with the imperial guard. Don't forget that Christianity turned the world upside down. That, that this was the beginning of a movement that was huge and significant in the history of, of Western civilization. What was happening here? Gospel seeds were being sown that would have far-reaching implications and clearly uh, implications today. That's why we're sitting here, because people were sharing the gospel. Because the gospel was being made known. And so Paul says, these who preach me out of love understood that God sovereignly put me in this place for the gospel's defense. He continues, verse 17. Now those who preach out of selfish ambition, who are just trying to cause me trouble, you know what? I'm going to rejoice about that. Why? In verse 18, what does it matter? Whether they preach me or preach Christ out of wrong motive or right motive. So think of this. Paul says in verse 18, what matters is this, that Christ is proclaimed. So Paul isn't focusing on the fact that there's some people who oppose him. He's not focusing on the fact that there's some people who are doing this with the wrong, for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives. What's Paul focusing on? He's focusing on the fact that these people really are preaching the gospel. He says, you know what, they may be preaching him to cause me trouble, but I'm thrilled because the gospel is being preached, and that's what matters. It matters that the gospel advances. So Paul didn't focus on the negative. He didn't focus. Man, he, think, think of what he could have done. He could have fretted and listed the names of those people. Well, so-and-so said this, and so-and-so did this, and such-and-such, and such, it was that, and, and just brewed on that and stewed on that. And he could have let bitterness grow up, and he could have let anger grow up. So, I don't care about all that stuff. You know what I care? The name of Jesus is being made known. That's what I care about. And so Paul, he was focused on the advance of the gospel, the the mission. He kept the mission in mind. That's what we see in Paul. And in verse 18, he says it quite plainly. Because the gospel is being proclaimed, I rejoice. I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with joy. So Paul's hardship had emboldened fellow believers. His example had helped other believers be faithful to share the gospel. His example had set other believers aflame. And Paul understood that. He recognized that God was at work in the midst of his adversity. This past week was the 52nd anniversary of the death of of five missionaries. Many of you have heard of Jim Elliott. There were four other missionaries. Well, these these men, 
sought to take the gospel to a, a tribe in Ecuador in uh, the mid-20th century. And they, they worked hard to begin to prepare for this mission. There was a, a young girl who had escaped from that tribe. And, and because of that, uh, these, these men had learned some of the language. They were using a, a small airplane and, and dropping gifts to the tribe. And eventually the day came that they decided to, to land, uh, to, to land there on the island near uh, uh, the, the, this tribe. And they landed and they began to make contact, but things went sour. And all five of those men lost their lives, every single one of them. They were young men. And everyone lost their lives. It looked like a tragedy of the highest sorts. Five young lives snuffed out needlessly. But that day, at that bloody beach, where those men gave up their lives, something amazing was about to happen. For Jim Elliot's wife would go back, Elizabeth, and others would work with her. And she would go back to serve that tribe with their young daughter, their little baby girl. And people in that tribe came to know Christ. How could a widow of one of the men who was slain come back? How could she do that? with her little baby girl. She came back and people in that tribe began to be saved and lives began to be changed. And not only that, the story of Jim Elliot and, and these other men has inspired countless missionary, countless pastor, countless Christian to be serious about the spread of the gospel, to quit giving their lives to little things, to quit giving life to things that pass and that don't matter, but instead to pour their life into things that matter most, the that calling that is the highest calling, and that's to make Jesus known. Their blood has inspired thousand upon thousand upon thousand. And there's no telling one day in eternity how many souls will have been saved because of the blood of those five men. Friends, we don't understand the ways of God, but we trust that He's at work, that in the adversity that He's allowed into our lives, that he has a plan. That it's not haphazard, that it's not heartless, but that he's at work. The example of these men inspired so many to share the gospel. And that's exactly what Paul's example is doing here in this passage. His example is emboldening other believers to be faithful to God and to share the gospel. So what does this look like in our lives well, first, it means that we need to love Jesus so much that it's catching. We need to love him so much that other people get around us and they go, you know what? And I don't know what's going on, but I, I see something different in his life. I see something different in her life. It's not just kind of, you know, well, we go to church every now and then. And no, man, there's, there's something real there. There's something going on. That, that's how we're supposed to love Jesus so that it, it, it begins to, to kind of kind of spread, begins to kind of, kind of not just stay with us, but it begins to kind of touch and hit and, and bump into the people that, that are around us. So we need to recognize that as we love Jesus and we endure trial and adversity and we keep loving him, there's a great possibility, even without our understanding of it, that God is using 
our lives and that difficulty for the advance of the gospel, that people are being touched by, by what you're enduring and by your faithfulness in the midst of that challenge. So are you connecting with others and, and pouring your life into serving so that the gospel can be spread? It's, it's something to think about. Second, the way you share Jesus ought to motivate other Christians to do the same, does it? The way you try to reach out to others ought to make other Christians go, you know what, I need to be sharing the gospel more. And I want you to know as your pastor, this challenges me. I, I, I'm often reminded that, that as your pastor, I'll, I'll be an example to you or I'll be an excuse to you when it, when it comes to evangelism. And, and I want to be an example. But, but like many of you, I can, I can back up and, and uh, not be faithful here. But the way we share Jesus with others um, ought to make other people, other believers want to share the gospel. Uh, so when you boldly tell others about Jesus, it's like starting a fire that blazes and spreads into the life of others. I have uh, uh, had uh, this track uh, put inside of your bulletin. I want to encourage you to take that track. It just, just tells how a person can come to know Christ. And I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to take that track and to try to share the gospel with, with someone within the next month. We, we're looking at uh, January the 14th. So we got Valentine's Day as the, as the back end of this thing. Between now and Valentine's Day, let's try to share the gospel with at least one person. Friends, maybe many more, but at least one. Let's sit down and say, hey, something's been on my heart. Can I share this with you? Jesus made a huge difference in my life. Can I talk with you more about how you could know him? And then walk through this book. If, you, if you're prepared to share the gospel outside of using the track, that's praise the Lord, that's great. Whatever method you want to use between now and the 14th, let's work on this. Let's make sure that we're being people who make the gospel known. Third, as we think about what this means in our lives, don't allow other people's sin to send you off the tracks. Don't allow other people's sin to send you off the tracks. Remember, Paul could have said these people who are preaching Christ for the wrong reasons, he could have made that his focus. He could have made that what he dwelled on, but it, but it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And you can't either. You, you, there's always, there's always going to be sin in other people's lives. The reality is there's always going to be sin in our own lives. We, we want God to change us and to shape us. We live in a fallen world, so we can't allow someone else, when they do wrong when they sin, to keep us from following Jesus and, and walking with him. We can't do it. Paul didn't, and we can't either. I remember several years ago when I was serving as a youth minister out in East Texas, there was a young man who lived kind of across from the church and come, come from a pretty rough family. His dad was uh, a druggy and a lot of trouble in his family. I can remember being at the church and hearing his dad just yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs. And this was a pretty good distance away and, and uh, just, just feeling for that family and, and praying for that family. Well, that young man came to know Jesus. He started coming to church. He came to know the Lord. Before long, his mom started coming to church and she came to know the Lord. And before long, even his dad came to know Jesus. And this is what happened. His dad quit doing drugs he got a job and started working, um, made a good employee, and within a few years, he had taken what he learned, and he started his own business. And, and he, he began to work, and, and he did very well. He provided for his family. The, the two of them got married. They, they became husband and wife and instead of uh, living together. And what you saw is that God absolutely transformed a family, a whole family, completely different. 
Now, folks, that's the reason that we're here. It's to see people touched and changed by the love of Jesus. And when you keep that mission, when you keep that mission as your main mission, then all the other things become small and you can serve with joy. They're real. I don't mean to to belittle. I don't mean to make them smaller than they are. They're, They're real issues. They're challenges that we face. But when we keep the real reason that we're here in focus. We can, we can endure these by His grace. We can keep going by His mercy. You can serve with joy if you keep a mission mindset. You can serve with joy if you keep a mission mindset. Believers, have you become weary in following the Lord and in serving Him? Have you, have you kind of lost heart? Have you gotten off focus? Well, this morning, it's time to, to refocus. Refocus on the mission that God is giving you, on, on, on helping people get to Jesus, on helping people be saved and to discover the, the love of Christ. And I want you to know, if you'll get focused on that, there'll be a new joy in your heart. God will put a new song on, on, on your heart. He'll, he'll give you a new encouragement, even in the midst of tough and difficult and tiring circumstances. So let us work for the advancement of the gospel that people might come to know Jesus, that lives might be changed. For those of you who are here today, and in a crowd this size, there, there, there must be several. For those of you who are here who have never come to know Jesus, you've, you've heard about him, you've, you've gone to church, maybe you read the Bible some, maybe you came forward at, at a meeting years and years ago. But in reality, if the truth be known, you've never truly came to know Jesus. There's never been that life-changing uh, time where, where you've called out to God and been saved this morning. I have very good news for you. And the news is that today, today you can be saved. Today you can be rescued from, from past guilt and past sin, from shame that has that uh, worn you down. You can have a fresh start. You can, you can know the joy that only Jesus brings, the joy that only being close to God brings. You can know that today. How, how can you know that? Well, when you turn from your sin and you say to God, I'm, I'm tired of going my own way, I believe that you sent your son Jesus, that he came to this earth and lived a perfect life, that he was nailed to the cross Nailed to the cross because of our sin. You see, because of our sin, God in His righteousness, He couldn't receive us. His character is so pure that He can't just accept our sinfulness. So instead of rejecting us and saying, you know what, who cares? What He did is He provided the sacrifice of His own boy. And Jesus was nailed to the cross and He took the punishment that that we deserve for our sin our sinfulness. He took it upon himself and he made a way for a God who's completely pure to receive people like me and you who are far from that. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. That's the best news ever. And today, if you'll call out to him, if you'll say to him, I'm tired of going my own way, I want to know you, Jesus. The Bible says that God will save you and he'll never let you go. You may struggle along the way. You may, you may stumble here and there. But if you call out to him, you're his. You're in his hands forever and ever and ever. For all eternity. 
Oh, friends, what a wonderful, wonderful blessing that we can know him, that we can be friends of God. Join me in prayer.